it might not be in our time or the way we want it to happen, you know, but um, for me, that's, so it's just, it's Jesus. And, you know, I, I probably fail on a daily basis being a, a kind, loving Christian that I need to be and being a, the kind husband and father I need to be. And I understand that, but he still accepts us. Well, 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 we have made it to the month of June. Thank you so much for listening to the Run the Race podcast. You can find all the previous, uh, I guess, almost 108 or so episodes on WTVM.com slash podcast. Of course, we're on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple, where you can leave a review as well. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I've, I've tried to do it once a week, but I've been so busy lately. My son graduating, my daughter graduating from high school as well. And so I've uh, um, been busy with a uh, run across Georgia with my son. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But on this podcast, this episode, we're going to kind of flip the script a little bit. You're going to actually learn about me, your host, Jason Dennis. I was actually the guest on several podcasts uh, in the last year or so, including the One Life podcast by a friend of mine who is a uh, Fort Benning soldier and also a motivational speaker. You're going to hear more about him uh, coming up in a little bit. But uh, I was a guest on his episode talking about uh, my life as a news anchor and my faith in God and running, all that stuff. Uh, And uh, it was on his episode about a year ago. So uh, he lent that to me, and I'm going to uh, let you listen to that in just a few minutes. But first, you know, I wanted to tell you about, um, you know, I, about three or four years ago, I did run across Georgia where we come from Savannah back to Columbus as a team, non-competitive team. I did that two years in a row, captained a team. Well, this year I was crew for the first time. What that means is my son, who's 18 years old, and seven of his friends who are all 16 to 18, and some of them still in high school, half of them just graduating, uh, heading off to college soon. They decided they wanted to form a team, the Roadrunners, and run across Georgia. So they started this past Saturday morning, 6 a.m. We drove Friday over there. They started at Tybee Island, really on the edge at the beach at the Atlantic Ocean for Georgia and ran back to downtown Columbus where we live. So 277.2 miles, a long way. And uh, they split it up in, in bite size. So um, in, in all that time, you've got eight runners. These are all young guys. They start, you know, and they, and they completed it in 35 hours. So the average is 734 uh, per uh, minute per mile pace the entire way. They were faster actually at the beginning. So what they do is uh, each guy uh, will do you know anywhere between four to seven miles or so, and then the next person takes it and sends a relay all the way down. So the eight guys go, and then they go again. So they're each running six times over the course of that day and a half, and they each equaled about 34 to 38 miles during that time. And so it was a tough task, but they were up to it. They're uh, young and fit and fast, and uh, they we made sure they were hydrated, me and another dad and a brother of one of the uh, runners. We were crew, so that's an important task, too. We're helping to drive them with three cars, some going out and some sleeping for hopefully two or three hours in the car and drinking just tons of water. And I was making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and turkey sandwiches for them. And we stopped and got a little food along the way. But, um, you know, and I told them with the heat and humidity of Georgia getting up to the mid-80s during this race and this run across Georgia – and uh, with the lack of sleep, um, it was going to wear them out and fatigue was going to set in. So I told them, you know, you really can't eat or drink enough. It's it's going to be, this is going to tax you. Even though you think you can do it, you're confident as a, 
a fit 17-year-old, uh, it's, it's going to be tough. So that fifth and sixth leg for those guys, uh, their legs were wearing out. Um, the fact that they had only gotten a, a, you know, a handful of hours of sleep and some of them, their stomachs were hurting or they had to go to the bathroom in the woods. And, uh, but all in all, they finished the task. Um, and they got first place in the competitive division. So congrats to the Roadrunners and my son included. And um, I know they, uh, they're they rested up now several days later. But I'm really proud of those guys. They were resilient. They fought through adversity. And uh, really, uh, you know, it, it, they, they taught us a lot and taught me a lot. Um, and hopefully can teach you something about the fact that, hey, you know, no matter if you're young or not, don't let people tell you that you can't do something. And so uh, it was it was great to see them complete this unbelievable task a really once-in-a-lifetime experience for those guys. And who knows, maybe they'll run across Georgia again in the future. And it shows you that any challenge, especially if you work together as a team, it's a team effort, it's a relay. You're passing this stuff on to each other, and you're working together. And even if somebody's you know down, everybody picks you, picks you up. And all of them completed their tasks and then ran across the finish line together. So it was really great to see them. Um, do that together uh, as a team and uh, leave no man behind. Turning now to uh, my conversation today, who I'm on the other side of the mic for this one. This was back in May of 2021, so about a year ago. Uh, I went on as a guest on the One Live podcast, is episode 51, that he titled "Being Anchored by Faith in Christ." And uh, you know, it was it was great to talk to uh, the. 23-year-old at the time, but now 24-year-old Second Lieutenant Devin Rodriguez, and uh, you know he asked me all kinds of questions. But I talk about being a news anchor and a runner, uh, how running is important for physical and mental health, um, acknowledging God and, and any kind of path you're taking, and uh, we talked about you know the challenges I've faced and and overcoming them, and and uh, you know I also talked about you know how important Jesus is in my life and and how you know my job as a as a news reporter as an anchor how it's changed my perspective on things and I also talked a little bit about fitness about my goal of running a marathon in all fifty states and uh, how running really also gives you an opportunity to get closer to God and about the legacies that you know that we all want to leave and uh, him and I met actually at an ultra race. Uh, about a year and a half ago, where uh, I put in about 35 miles, and Devin ran about, I think, 75 plus miles. And so uh, here's my conversation with uh, with Devin, uh, opening up a little bit about my life and uh, how how God and running and the TV news business has been a big part of that. But the thing that I want to touch on in this conversation, and sometimes my interviews with people don't go down this way and that's okay. But faith, because that is something that in my life drives me in every single way. Whenever I make a decision is my faith in line with the decision that I'm making. And after listening to Jason's podcast, doing my research online, talking to him out on the course, his faith was something that was evident, not only in his words, but in his actions as well. Uh, he's been in the TV and film industry in the in the, the news anchor role now for about 13 years but overall 23 years it was funny before we started this he said i've been in since 1998 i don't even know how long that is and i said i got you jason don't worry uh that's when i was born so it's it's beautiful to have you here and to have a man so dedicated to his faith so 
I just thank you so much for, for giving me this about 40 minutes of your time that I can learn from you and the audience can learn how to integrate fitness with faith and faith with personal development and just living a faith-based life. So I thank you very much for being here. Yeah, well, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. I enjoy your podcast as well, the, you know, the One Live podcast. You guys have great guests on, and, and you're, you're, you're very motivating. I mean, for somebody you know, 23 years old, you definitely speak very well and inspire us, for sure. Thank you, Jason. I, I appreciate that very much, and it's because of guests like you. So let's get it started, and I want to know... How did you end up being the TV news anchor of Columbus, Georgia? And not only that, I know your road to becoming a runner was a very unique one. And you weren't always that runner, having run multiple marathons and now running ultra marathons. So just talk to us a little bit about Jason growing up throughout the years and the different transitions or seasons that you went through that enabled you to get to where you are today. Well, first of all, I grew up in the North Carolina mountains and, and, you know, uh, I was an athlete growing up. I played basketball, tennis, that kind of thing. So I'll talk about running a little later, but I, uh, ever since I was 14 years old, I was pretty young. I had this dream where I, this, what I wanted to be was a sports anchor. And it's pretty unique, I think, to you know have this dream at a young age of you know knowing what you want to do with your life, and then that being actually coming to reality. It doesn't happen very often. Most folks don't even know what they want to do with their lives in college. So that was my dream. And when I got to college, I switched to news because I, I I wanted to have an impact on people's lives and sports. I'm a big fan of of all sports, but I, I know news. You have a opportunity to tell stories about people and really inspire folks and, and telling other people's stories is, you know, so important because there's so many just ordinary folks out there doing extraordinary things. So I jumped into TV news right out of college and, and that's how uh, I just kind of bumped around to different places, worked in West Virginia, Birmingham, Alabama, and I've been in Columbus, Georgia really for, you know, um, 19 of the last 22 years. So, uh, this is where my wife is from. Happy wife, happy life. This is how I ended up here. And, Columbus, Georgia, right next to Fort Benning. And so I love it. I love my job. And, you know, some days it's stressful, but I think, you know, that's for, for people that are listening, you know, find something you enjoy doing and find somebody that's willing to pay you to do it. And I mean, for me, that's a secret to life. And we don't always get to do something we enjoy. You know, I don't like dread coming to work. I, I feel like when I'm out on the news set anchoring a newscast, like I feel at home sitting there under the lights with my makeup on and with a co-anchor reading the news and, you know, tens of thousands of people watching that seems strange. But for me, like that, I feel like very at home with that. Like I, and you know, I, my first job in TV, you know, I was, you know, 20, I'm not, not uh, much younger than you, 22 years old. And, and uh, I was trying to be like, hello, good evening. I'm Jason Dennis. And the, the news director, my boss said, don't be a news anchor, be Jason Dennis. And that was an advice, you know, again, that decades later has stuck with me because it's all about just being yourself, being comfortable in your own skin. Because people can tell whether you're, you know, working as a soldier or a teacher or a news anchor. If you're not genuine, people can tell, I think. And so, you know, no need to put on, just be yourself. And if, if people don't like you, then that's their problem, you know. And uh, in terms of the running part of it, you know, with TV, you guys all watch TV. They say it adds 10 pounds. Well, I think it does. So uh, I'm not sure if the Zoom can see that at all or not. But um, I, I'd always had like these yo-yo diets where I would gain 20, 25 pounds, get up to like 200 or 205. And then I'd go on a diet, lose 25, 30 pounds. 
And then I'd slowly inch back up and back and forth we go. My wife and I have tried all kinds of diets. And then about seven or eight years ago, I just decided to go do some more training and kind of eat better. And then I took up running. I did Couch to 5K, which is a program that's free. And you can, in two months, learn how to run a 5K, you know, three miles without stopping. I did that. And seven years later, the rest is history. I'm, I've kept running, just kept adding miles. And just uh, I really enjoy like how running kind of helps you with your mental health, physical health. And I, to be honest with you, Devin, you know, for me, one of my main motivators of running is that so I can eat what I want. I mean, that's in reality, that's just the truth of it all is so that I can not have to diet. I can eat 3000 calories a day and run, you know, 30 to 50 miles a week and I can eat whatever I want. I don't have to skimp. I, I don't gain weight, whatever I eat. And so that's kind of nice. But yeah, now I, I run marathons and sometimes um, 35 miles with strangers and friends. But yeah, it's it's cool. So that's kind of my story about how I became a TV news anchor uh, and, and a runner. That is such a fascinating story. And I, I had one uh, an interview on Sunday with a woman named Renee Marino. She played, I don't know if you've ever seen the film Jersey Boys. Yeah. So she was Frankie Valley's wife in, in that film. Um, wow. She's just a phenomenal, phenomenal woman. And I had asked her because similar to you, she was explaining how when she was a kid, she loved being in the theater, whether it was elementary school, middle school, high school. That was just something that she loved. Go back a couple of months. I interview one of my friends who who was an, a ranger in a 75th Ranger Regiment. And he says, that's what I just loved to do when I was a kid. Like, that's all I saw myself doing was being a soldier and, and being specifically in special operations. A couple of other people, and this is the one theme that if anybody's listening, if these past few episodes, this is the theme, Janice, that that you just exemplified is that you were able to do something because you wanted to do it. And I think that that is such a gift in the world that we live in today in which conformity is the, the normalcy. So I, I just wanted to acknowledge that because when there's a common thread, I think that that is a signal to other people that, hey, maybe this is the way to living a life of not just happiness, but fulfillment, because I could see that you look and sound like you love what you do. Like you said, yeah. you don't you don't show up and you dread it. You enjoy being there. So for me, I want to touch on how were you able to stay your course? Were you ever was there ever a point where you thought about going another course or another direction or did you just always stay on that specific path of I'm going to be a TV news anchor? Well, it's funny you ask that, you know, I, um, I went to college in North Carolina, majored in broadcast journalism. I got a chance to do some TV while in college, you know, the local the school's TV station. And I uh, really enjoyed that. But yeah, this was my path. This is what I wanted to do. I think I'm very driven. And so that was kind of, I was full force ahead, whatever I needed to do to make it happen and try to get ahead of other people trying to, because there's so many people that want to do TV. It's kind of an exciting job. But uh, it's funny that you ask, because I was working as a waiter one summer during college. I was probably 20 years old. And it was having that, those questions about like, you know, is this really what I'm, what, what I'm supposed to do? Is this what God, you know, what, is this his will for my life? Or is this just me wanting to be on TV and be a celebrity and be a news anchor? So, cause I wanted to follow his path and not just my selfish, like, Hey, I want to, want to work in TV. So I, I asked those questions and I was questioning God and myself and working as a waiter, I had a customer who was, eh, I mean, not the nicest. But, you know, and we kind of struck a conversation at the end of the meal 
And he left me a tip and left me a note. And he ended up being a pastor. And, you know, I still was having these fork in the road questions. And he left me a verse that's to this day still my favorite Bible verse of all time. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. So for me, that was God answering that prayer and that that questioning. It was like, okay, so if you want your path to be straight, if you want, you know, the straight path that I want you to be on, that you need to trust me, God, trust God and acknowledge him in everything and give him the glory, not give Jason Dennis the glory. And so for me, that was, you know, and it was a neon sign. And I, you know, to your point, you know, I, I've had questions two years into my career, 10 years into my career, you know, do I still want to do this? Is this something I'm passionate about? And does God want me to do this? And I've had questions about, do I want to do something in the ministry? And, you know, sometimes we run from that call and over and over again, God has like a neon sign has said, you're exactly where I want you to be. So it's been kind of confirmed over and over again, you know, and my bosses from different jobs have kept throwing money my way. And it's like when I want something to, okay, I want to go this way. And then like doors fling open and it's just like God's favor. And, and I think part of it is that, like you said, kind of, it's strange when we're running along that, you know, mile 30 or whatever. And I probably, you know, I told you I'm a TV news anchor and you're like, that's a unique job. I mean, like not everybody, not many people can say that, but for me, you know, I think God places you in certain areas for a reason. And there's a platform there. I'm a local celebrity where I go to a grocery store or a restaurant and people recognize me and come up and strangers come up and talk to me and sometimes even want to take a photo or something. And, but I think with that platform, there's a responsibility there. And I think it's an opportunity that God has given me with this platform to talk about Jesus. And like on the podcast, I'm unashamed talking about God, talking about faith and my bosses let me do it, which is like, man, it's amazing that I'm able to do this. So I think with all that questioning over the course of decades, God has continuously answered it and said, you know, you're where I want you to be. Now that could change down the road, but for now, you know, I'm 45 years old and still doing what I love and and hopefully, you know, doing what God wants me to do. You know, I still sometimes think, is this just me being, you know, selfish, but I think that's what's helped me stay on the, on that straight path that talks about Proverbs. Wow. What, uh, what a moment that must have been just receiving that note. That is God. There is no, yeah. there is no way, there's no if, ands, or buts around that. That is God. He works in magical and mystical ways where for me in my life, Jason, it's nothing short of incredible the works that he's been able to do in, in my life. And I've actually just committed myself. Part of my morning routine is. The, well, very first thing, get up, go make a cup of coffee. I just like coffee. It doesn't wake me up. Oh, yeah, off. me too. You know, I think I four, just... cups, four cups a day. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> <laughs> so I go, I get my coffee, and I come in my little office space that I'm in now, still building it out. I moved in here not too long ago. But then the first thing I do once I get in here is that I read the Bible. And for me... I put off reading the Bible for a long time and I read a lot of personal development books, books on varying topics, but the Bible was just something that I was putting off. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to spend time each morning, whether it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes every morning, this is how I'm going to start my day. And for me, it's been about two months now, probably. And I'm about to finish Leviticus. It is just a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. It's otherworldly, I would say, because just learning about where 
my faith comes from is an experience in and of it, of its own that I can't explain too well. It's something you got to experience. I don't know, but faith is faith is everything. And I love how that story went. And now you're living, you're living that faith. You're, you're preaching, you're walking the walk now. So uh, with faith being said, have there been any periods over the course of your career that were particularly challenging, whether it be personally related, professionally related, or something that had tested your faith and you had to really rely on it in order to get you through the situation? Yeah, I, you know, when I was here in Columbus, Georgia, my, my first stint as a reporter, and I was in my, you know, kind of early to mid-20s and covering stories on Fort Benning, that kind of thing. In fact, I, I've gone through the gas chamber covering basic trainees. So that was a unique experience that I'd never want to happen again. You, um, need, you needed some face for that, Dennis. <laughs> yeah. You know, I Jason, saw, you I need... Saw, I saw some grown men crying and like all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff coming out of their noses. And, whoo, man. And that, that's actually an interesting... The gas chamber is an interesting thing because it's a test of your equipment. Because the key is you have the gas mask on, you have the, all the, the gear on and everything. And so you're in the gas chamber with the, with the gas and you don't really feel much. But when you take that mask off, that protection, you are just whew, inundated with craziness and you don't want to, you want to get out. And so it's kind of God has that protection too. It's like, you know, when you take that shield of faith off and stuff, it's like, but anyway, back to what we we're talking about. When I was here uh, as originally as a reporter back in the you know early 2000s, and I uh, wanted to be a news anchor. I was like, okay, I, I think I've kind of I'm paying my dues. I love a promotion, and there were some opportunities that came up, and they hired other people, which is fine. You know, it's like anything in life; you just can't take it personally. They make decisions; bosses do for whatever reasons. So I had to make a big decision. My wife and I together uh, had to make, pray and make a decision to to leave here. And this was my wife's home; all her family's here. We had a um, a three month old baby and a one and a half year old baby and had never bought a house before. And so I got some job opportunities and uh, we ended up going to Birmingham, Alabama, much bigger market, bigger city. And so uh, we uprooted and moved with two babies by our first house to move into a place where we didn't know anybody and starting new jobs. And that was a, that was a test of faith and a test for my career is like, you know, why am I not getting these opportunities? God, why are they not, you know, hiring me, giving me this opportunity? And so, you know, God's ways are better than our ways. And, you know, fast forward to three years after that, I get a call from my, my old boss here saying, Hey, we'd like to have you back. And as an anchor, and I'm telling you, it was, uh, I think if I would have stayed here, I would have gotten paid less. And so they had to pay me more. I was worth more coming back. And so that was a, that was a big test. Cause I was like, you know, do I really want to do this? And it's a hard life being a reporter is like being a, a private when you're on deployment. It's just, you are just in the grind. You are just doing it. And it's like day after day, it's this grind. I'm not to compare, you know, at all what soldiers have to do, but it's just like this. And, and you're on like maybe the lowest end of the totem pole, but you're having to work so hard and get paid, you know, the lowest. So that that was definitely a, a test for me. And I mean, thank God I, I stuck with it. And the opportunities now, I mean, I I really enjoy it. And maybe you know, 20 more years, I'll finally get to retire. And so, and, and you'll be famous by that point, you know, in a few years from now, even more famous than you are now. Oh, Jason, Jason, <laughs> that's 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 funny. Uh... <laughs> wow. That is how it came full circle there. That is unbelievable. Uproot everything. Take your whole life with you. You're you're basically newborns and to take a, a step of faith. And that is truly a wonderful story, especially 
how it ended up that you and you were paid even more than if you would have just stayed in the area. So God was calling you to go and you listened. And if you didn't take that step of faith, who knows what would have happened? You might have still been in the position you are now, but maybe you wouldn't have been in the position you are now, but you uprooted your whole life. And how long were you there for? Uh, I was in Birmingham for three years. And at that point, I, uh, at the end of that little three years, and I'd been in the business for a decade. And I was almost like to the point where I was, it was so stressful. We had so much breaking news and so much going on in Birmingham, Alabama. And so I was almost like, just like, I'm ready to do something else with my life. I'm ready to do, you know, go into marketing or public relations or something where I have an easy, less stressful job. And then I get the call. So it was almost like, you know, I was at the end of my rope and ready for a change. And God's like, okay, I'm going to bring you back to where kind of things started and where like all my wife's family is to help, you know, and, and spend time with them and with her parents and, with, you know, with our kids. And I mean, God is, is faithful. So when you think things are kind of rocky and not going your way, you know, there's a reason for it. And sometimes we don't find out that reason for years, but you just have to hold on and, uh, you know, things will get better. We just, we don't, it's not on our time. I mean, we're very impatient people. I know why, well, at least I am. Yeah, hundred percent. I know I am too. I want it to happen now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want it to happen right now. So Jason, what, what is it about your relationship with, with Christ, with Jesus, that when you think of that relationship, it, what makes it so special to you? You know, what makes you want to be so connected with your religion in the way that it is nearly knitted within your identity? You know, it's not just something that you go to church once a week or, but it's something that you live by and that you'll die by your religion. What, what is it? What is it? Because we live in a world where uh, oftentimes religion is put to the wayside in society. And I think it's a shame. And if more people had, whether it be Jesus, whether it be whatever it might be for them, having that there is a game changer. So why is just religion, spirituality so special to you in your life? Well, you know, I, I, I grew up in church, so I think, you know, oftentimes, you know, we do what our parents model. So my mom and dad, you know, it was kind of a, uh, you know, a thing to do uh, was to go to church on Sundays and be a part of youth on Wednesday nights. And we did, you know, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, non-denominational. So I grew up in, in the different faiths, different churches. And, and sometimes, you know, when you're younger, you don't want to go to church and it's boring and oh, uh, you're falling asleep. And so I understand that. And I think even as adults, you know, sometimes you don't want to go to church, but so so they modeled that for me. But then when you go off on your own to college or, or a job and move out, that's when you kind of discover it for yourself. It, it becomes your your faith and, and what you you know really truly believe in. But for me, it comes down to just really one word, Jesus. And, you know, we just had Easter not too long ago. And that story and, and what really truly happened, it's been proven it happened. You know, Jesus Christ, 33 years old, is banished to the cross and he died for us. And he didn't have to. I mean, God could have just been like, Woof, I'm going to make everybody believe this and make it happen, make it so. But we have free will. We have choice. And a lot of us make bad choices on a daily basis. But Jesus, you know, even when he's up on the cross, he says, can you take this cup from me? You know, and he's human. He understands that, you know, Judas needed to do what he needed to do. You know, uh, Pontius Pilate, it was all orchestrated. And so Jesus died on the cross. But for me, it's like three days later, that's the linchpin. That's what is the foundation of our faith, that he defeated death. So nothing, you know, nothing can stand against Jesus 
for us when we're with him. And so he rose again and he's, he's alive. And what I love about the Christian faith, and I've learned about this more and more being a part of a Pentecostal church now. My, my wife is actually a PK, a preacher's kid. And so her dad was a retired Assembly of God pastor. So growing up in a kind of more uh, formal churches and so coming to a Assembly of God church, you talk to people raising their hands, talking back to the pastor. One time somebody um, spoke in tongues when I was dating my wife. We were at church and I said, are they speaking Spanish? What, what's going on here? She goes, no, they're speaking in tongues. And she told me it was biblical and showed me. And I said, okay. But being in a Pentecostal faith, I think I didn't hear as much about this as a kid, but I hear more about the Holy Spirit and how God lives inside of us and how um, he guides us. And in that little still small voice, we have like the little angel and devil on our, on our shoulders, that little still small voice. If it's something that's like positive and where you're, you're speaking life to yourself or to other people, that's God speaking to you. Cause I mean, there's also the devil you know, saying stuff to you as well, but, but the Holy Spirit lives in us. So, and what a powerful thing that like anything is possible. We just have to pray. Now it, it's, it might not be in our time or the way we want it to happen, you know, but um, for me, that's, so it's just, it's Jesus. And, you know, I, I probably fail on a daily basis being a, a kind, loving Christian that I need to be and being a, the kind husband and father I need to be. And I understand that, but he still accepts us. Uh, even as the broken people that we are. And I think that's in society today, that's what we need to admit more and more that we're broken. I mean, our world, our nation is just broken. And the only way out of it is Jesus, in, in my estimation. And so even on in my job and TV news, like, you know, there's certain things I can't say on TV. Now I'm going to read the news. I'm going to do that. I'm not going to, I can't say Jesus is Lord, you know, in the middle of a story even though I'd love to, but what I pray is the Holy Spirit works through me. And I've had people come up to me like random viewers and say, hey, I really appreciate your faith and how you are not afraid to talk about that as a public figure, a TV news anchor. And one person even told me one time, just crazy, blew my mind. They said, I can I can feel the Holy Spirit working through you through my TV. And it's just like, man, it just gives me chills because that's what I want. I mean, not for me, not for my glory, but for, for his glory. And so, you know, if my, the Holy Spirit can reach and grab somebody through the TV, then so be it. Yeah, that Holy Spirit is real. I don't know if you feel this way, Jason, but to me, and I was just sharing this with somebody the other day, once you get in tune with that Holy Spirit, God will just talk to you. And I I, I swear to you not, I, I two days ago, I was sitting there. I don't know what I was doing. I think I was just on my computer doing some work. All of a sudden, a thought just comes into my head. That tells me if I want to become a good storyteller and be able to communicate stories effectively to other people in order to communicate and inspire and shift the way that people live their lives. He said, write these four things down. Number one, what did life teach you or tell you today? Because I feel like a lot of the times when people think of a story and you could relate to this on a very unique level as a news anchor, they look at or when they try to identify these powerful stories, they Try to identify the big stories, the pivotal moments, the turning points, the tipping points. But I think a lot of the time, the subtle lessons that life gives us are lost in that because you're so focused on the big picture that you don't notice that you could literally learn something every day. So mm-hmm. God told me, write down that one first. What did life teach you or tell you today? The second one was, what was the lesson that you took away from that teaching? And then number three, what powerful questions can you ask yourself and an audience that relate to this specific teaching? 
And then lastly, what are some quotes that you can incorporate into a presentation that would be able to strongly convey this teaching and lesson? And I, I swear to you, my girlfriend would be like, how'd you come up with that? I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I mean, and it's unbelievable. I'll just be sitting here and a quote will just magically appear in my head. No idea how it just came to me. And that's what I tell people. And I had one time, you'll appreciate this. I once was when I was living back in New York City where I grew up for, I don't know, 21 years of my life. I was coming home from school and we were talking about how the homeless view God. And it was a very, very interesting conversation because me, I was about 19 at the time. So I'm like, how could somebody that's homeless have a greater connection with God than I can? I was like, there's no way. So fast forward a couple hours, school ends. I go home on the same route that I usually go. At one at a stoplight at a major intersection, there's a guy named Kyle. Kyle was a homeless man. And the way that he used to beg for his money and, and get people's attention was he used to dance. If you were playing music loudly in your car, he would come up and dance because it would make you feel happy. You'd want to give him some money. And of course, I gave Kyle some money here and there. And then, But this day, I decided, you know, I want to actually talk to Kyle a little bit. So we went to Dunkin' Donuts. I got him a coffee. I got him a donut, whatever he wanted. And then once we left Dunkin' Donuts, I said, Kyle, I have to ask you a question. Please don't take this the wrong way. But you know, what's your take on, on God? I said, you're a homeless man. You told me you sleep in the subway station, almost on the track. You, when it's cold, you have nowhere to go. What is your relationship with God? And he says, I have to tell you the truth, Devin. I'm probably more in tune with God than anybody out here because he sends people like you to me. He says, I can't give you any credit for this. He says, all right, maybe I'll give you 20%. <laughs> but, but I got to give God about 80 to 90% because he's working through you and he sends angels like you to me. And when he told me that, I was just blown away. And he was, And he said, so many people neglect me when they see me on the street and for somebody to take the time out of their day to pull over and, and spend that time with me, that just shows me how real God is and how he's working in my life. And it hit me, it hit me, it hit me, it hit me because if he has such a deep connection with his spirituality, what's my excuse for not being in tune with my creator and being grateful for the things that he's providing me in my life. So as I heard you talk and I, I, I had to mention that story because it's so powerful and that's something that I'll just never forget, Jason. So thank you for sharing everything about faith. And I want to, in our last few minutes here, I want to touch on a couple of other things because uh, there's a, a couple of other things I find so fascinating about what you do and the hobbies that you have. So first off, you tell stories and you tell the stories of, of other people and you connect with people through camera. The woman who I was referring to earlier, Renee Marino, she has a course actually in which is called Connecting on Camera. So I just think that that was, uh, you might know yeah. a thing or two, you might know a thing or two about <laughs> that. <laughs> but in, in storytelling and telling other people's story, what has been the impact on your personal life that telling other store, people's stories has impacted you? What, did, oh, that is just, just so fascinating to me, Jason. So it, Enlighten us a little bit on the impact that sharing other people's stories has had on your own story. I think it just it per puts it in perspective. I mean, because 
you know, I mean, we all have stories and, you know, talked earlier about how ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And, you know, um, it, it's kind of crazy the fact that sometimes somebody's in a bad mood, something's going on, and you don't know what's kind of what's happened to them back in the background. Well, I get to tell the stories of like some really good news and some really tragic news as well. And it's, it's really difficult. And I tell you, one of the hardest parts of the job, especially, you know, when I was a TV news reporter before being an anchor was when there was somebody killed. And, you know, one of your tasks is to reach out to the family or if the family's on the scene, trying to get them to talk on camera. That is a very difficult, uncomfortable, awkward thing to do. But you can phrase it. You can, you know, be sensitive to them while asking the question. Some will be mad and mean. Some will be welcoming and, and they'll talk to you. But just to see uh, people in the midst of, you know, maybe a, a deadly tornado or a fire that's destroyed apartments or things like that, tragedy that, that happens on, unfortunately, a daily basis, natural disasters or whatever else. And so you land on the scene or you're, you know, in the studio reporting on it. And just to see people in the face of just crisis and when like, you know, everything is just all the chips are down and, and, and you have nothing left maybe. And to see people's strength, it's like, man, if they can go through that, then you know what, like, like you said, what's my excuse? And so telling other people's stories, it's just, you know, it's amazing that everybody has a story. And I think you actually, I listened to your intro for your one live podcast and you talk about that, how sometimes we don't think like what we, what our story is matters, but everybody's story matters. And, and I think everybody has something to say. It's a matter of how do you say it? And are you willing to kind of come out and, and tell it? Because there can be a lot of people maybe that can relate to what you're going through. And so uh, that's what we want to do on TV. We want to just be genuine and, and, and tell that story. And so for me, that's what it is. It's just it's perspective. And also, it makes me appreciate what I have. Same thing like if you meet somebody homeless. It makes you appreciate that, like, you know, you have a, a roof over your head and that you have a good job that pays. I mean, we've, we've come through this COVID-19 pandemic and a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people lost their lives. And to still be living and to still have a job, I mean, those are precious things. And it makes me appreciate I've been married for 20 years to my college sweetheart. We have two now. They were babies when we talked about earlier, but I've got a, a 16 year old and an 18 year old. Just, you know, I, I pray continuously for their health, my whole family. But I'm just so blessed to be, you know, their father uh, and her husband. And so I think telling other people's stories, it's really inspiring and motivating. But more than anything else, it's perspective. And it makes me appreciate what I have, whether I tell a good story or a bad story. Yeah, I, I swear to you, as you were speaking, I, my plan was the whole time I was just going to respond with one word, and that was perspective, because that is, the, to me, the most powerful word. And the reason why is because the moment we change our perspective is the moment that we change our reality. And for me, broadening your perspectives and being open to the fact that there are different possibilities and ideas and truths, that is how you can turn seemingly something that is dismal or bad situation into something that is in your favor and sharing other people's stories to impact your own story is something that we can all take away through this. And more importantly, giving other people's stories a voice and showing yeah. them that, that they matter. And I know that in your work, that's very important to you, especially as a man of faith in that line of work. So Jason, we only got a couple of minutes left, but I got to talk a little bit about running. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cause it's not normal 
for somebody <laughs> want to go out there and do 35 miles around the lake. That's not normal. We're, that's we're not, that's not normal. That's not normal. But what is it for you that would make you want to go out and challenge yourself physically, mentally, for me at least, emotionally, and to to do something that most people look at you like you got 10 heads. You ran an ultra marathon. Huh? <laughs> what, so why why do you do what you do physically? And I'm going to say mentally and emotionally as well because I think it's a trifecta. So why do you, why do you do it? Well, just, I mean, it's just to test the limits and it's also carpe diem living life to the fullest, I think is a big thing is we only have this one life and we're here on average, people are here for 75 years and that's just a blink. It's going to be gone in an instant. So like what kind of legacy do you leave behind? Obviously your family and your job, but, but also, you know, I want to take care of this temple. I want to take care of this body. And I just, you know, the running community is great. I mean, it's people that are resilient and it's, you know, it's challenging mentally and physically, but man, it's just, it's kind of grabbing life by the horns and just going for it. And running is just different than any other sport in my estimation, because it's so, the word I was use would be visceral. It's just so raw. Like, you know, you don't need like expensive equipment or anything like that. Literally, you need a hundred dollar pair of running shoes and ideally shorts and a shirt. Don't even need a shirt if you're a guy and you go out there and just run and, and it's, Literally, you can run in a park at nighttime, in the morning, on a treadmill, in the snow, whatever. I mean, so it's just so raw. It's like you and the path. And that's for, for me, that's how running is so much like it's like your opportunity to get closer to God. And maybe you're running solo and you're praying or listening to a podcast or music or you're running alongside and meeting, you know, uh, new folks like Devin and and, uh, you know, other, other folks, but I, I enjoy it, but yeah, it is crazy to run that far. I, my, my goal that started a couple years ago, well, three or four years ago was to run a marathon in all 50 States. And so I've, I've done 14 so far. So I've got about at least seven to 10 years ahead of me of, you know, doing about three to four, at least a year. And that's an opportunity to travel, see the world. Sometimes my son will come along with me and sometimes my whole family will come with me or I'll just jet out with a friend or so it's, that's an opportunity again, you know, kind of seize the day and just live life to the fullest, see the world. I mean, see states that I wouldn't normally go to and just happen to run 26.2 miles when I'm, when I'm there. But uh, maybe there's more ultras in my future. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll do a 50 miler in the future, but uh if, if my wife will let me, I need to get permission from her because, you know, the recovery and the training, I mean, the training's a big thing. I mean, that for, for, to run a marathon, you have to train, if you train the right way, you're training for three to four months. So that's, it's the journey is so much more than that, that four hours you spend running. Oh, that is funny. You better, you better get special permission because I could only imagine <laughs> when you're, whoo, these things can beat you up and. Yeah have you knocked down for a while. And I, that was funny. You mentioned about the 50 marathons in 50 States. I was, I saw an article that someone had written about that. And I just thought, wow, that is so fascinating. And, and you'll appreciate this. So I had a man on my podcast named, I call him the iron cowboy, James yeah. Lawrence. Uh, I'm not sure if you, are you aware of who he is? I've seen a documentary and he did 50 <laughs> Ironmans, right? Yeah. So he did 50 Ironmans in 50 days in 50 states. Uh, and right now he just broke his world record yesterday with 51 Ironmans in 51 days. And he's going to do 100 in 100 days. So talk about testing limits. But I think that's and I asked him a question. The only reason I bring him up is that I asked him this question. I said, I heard you talking about the importance of not comparing your journey 
the journey of somebody else's. Talk to me a little bit about that. And he says, Devin, listen, people might look at me and, and, and be amazed at my journey and in that limit what they can do for themselves. He says, you have to realize that everybody is at their own individual part of their journey. To compare your journey with mine is totally unfair because where I'm succeeding, you might not be up there to that level, but in reverse, where you're succeeding, I may lack in that area or I may not be there. So focus on your particular journey and what's next best for you. And I think that you are a testament to that, especially 50 marathons or 50 states. That is that is a, a, an incredible feat that I know that you will accomplish because you, you've had the goal for a bit now, obviously, and it still hasn't subsided. So it's only a matter of time before that gets done. And I got a lot of stories to tell you, Jason, about about that that seventy six miles we did out there. Ooh, did you, I, I heard you you ate something or or drank you had nutrition like every single mile that we were coming around the loop. You kind of made sure to take something in every time. That's crazy. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, every time I yeah I don't think there was one time that I didn't. <laughs> and and um, you know, with with running, uh, one more quick little story about my son. He runs track and cross country for for high school now. But uh, when he was in middle school, this talks about letting go because sometimes when you're out there, it's just like you just have to kind of let go and put it on autopilot. Well, I was kind of coaching him or helping him along as a young, like 12-year-old runner. And then he was like, Dad, I don't want to do this. This is your dream, not mine. You talk about like the Iron Cowboy having your story. And so he he just kind of quit. He said, I'm not going to do running anymore. I'm going to go play tennis or something else. And so he said, okay, it's fine. Well, he fell back in love with it like his in seventh or eighth grade. And kind of did it because his friends were doing it. And he, so I learned as a dad to let go. And that's what we have to do with God a lot, but to let go and let him learn and fail and achieve on his own, not on, not on dad's dime and not on, you know, me telling him how to do this, how to do that. He was going to learn it from other people and from himself and, and look deeper inside. And that's for a marathon. That's what you got to do too. You got to look like, look yourself in the mirror and say, listen, I'm going to just, I'm going to be, it's going to be painful, but we're just going to do it, man. 100%. And, and I believe that this is the last thing I'll share before we close out is that you have to determine before you even start that quitting is not an option out there because my, <laughs> I, I had four rules going into that race and I wrote them down just before the race started while I was driving over. It was no, number one, never quit. Number, like never ever quit. If I was going to, if I was going to, to quit, I wanted to make sure that I just left it all out there. Uh, number two, it was don't never complain, always reframe because I knew the moment that I was going to be complaining, I would have just melted away and just, just fizzled. That's why I don't know if you saw me, but I was, I was singing, I was dancing. I was, I was telling the race directors, is this race even getting started yet? Just Ooh. because, just because I know, I knew that if I would have given my, my pain a voice and I had a lot of pain that it would have just eaten me, eaten me alive. And there were, there was two others. But I'll just I'll just leave it at that because it's just like you said, it's such an intrinsic, I'm going to say, journey, journey, one foot in front of the other. And and you, my friend, are such an example of what a powerful journey looks like and incorporating faith into everything that you do, even running, being a father, being a husband. I could I could only imagine how lucky your wife and your children are to have a man like you. Oh no, I'm 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 the blessed one. I promise you that. They 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 have to put up with me. Ah, come on, it's all right. You could give yourself some credit now, Jason. You can give yourself (laughs) some credit. But with that all being said, and I could tell that you're a man who is on a mission to live a life that is greater than he is. What do you 
when you're no longer here and you and you're there and you you're in heaven and you're looking down from above and you're thinking what was the impact and and legacy that I left behind? What does that look like for you, Jason? Uh, you told me this ahead of time. I think for me is that kind of part of what you said, Devin, is it's that I laid it all out there and that I put it out all, all out on the field. I was open with my feelings. I uh, was trying to be kind to others, that I trusted God and that I, you know, I achieved some things. But for me, mostly it's just important just about how you treat other people. I think, you know, interviewed folks on my podcast about this and about how, you know, sometimes it's important to love yourself first. You have to, you have to like yourself and love yourself, not as a, like an egotistical thing, but you have to like what you see in the mirror. And then after that, just loving and being kind to other people. And that's what we are missing so much in society today. Everybody's out for themselves and everybody's, you know, got an agenda. So for me, I want people to remember me by my agenda was seeking more of Jesus and less of me and loving other people and, and, and being kind. And I try to work at that every day. Sometimes I get a bad temper or something like that and kind of check myself and God humbles me. But I just think hopefully I'll be remembered by somebody that is, you know, just love life and love people. And uh, that's why I love, you know, telling other people's stories because it's just, man, folks have things to say. And like you said, uh, you know, I hope we hopefully can give them a voice. Well, Jason, you are not the everyday news anchor. You are much, much more than that. And I thank you so much for being here. And, and you truly are living a life that will outlive you. And I think that is that is an unbelievable way to live, sir. So thank you so much for being here with me. I cannot wait for the world to hear what Jason Dennis has to say of living a life of faith, <laughs> resilience, vulnerability, fitness, and so much more. So thank you so much for being here with us today. So again, it was great to uh, be on his podcast and uh, Devin Rodriguez was actually on mine as well, Run the Race, episode number 68, from almost exactly a year ago, from June of 2021. I titled that episode, Soldiering Through Obstacles to Live with Purpose and Faith. And Devin, uh, who's a motivational speaker, an ultra-marathon athlete, a life and leadership coach, he talks about you know being bullied growing up in Queens, New York, and how you know um, that developed him into a, a stronger person and soldier that he is now, his faith walk him uh, completing a 105-miler, and uh, just his life in general about how faith and fitness are a part of uh, for, for him as well. And, uh, you know, I want to tell you about an event coming up. Uh, you know, we talked about Run Across Georgia earlier. There's uh, another event that I'm actually going to part- be participating in. In fact, I've got a marathon coming up in just a few days that I'll recap later this month in a podcast up in Rhode Island. It'll be, I think, my 19th state to run 26.2 miles in. But right after that, there's a, uh, you know, this coming Saturday, so a week from now, uh, there's a race here in the Columbus, Georgia area, just south of Atlanta, uh, called the Youth Orchestra of Greater Columbus, uh, the Beethoven 5K Fundraiser. That'll be on Saturday, June 11th at Woodruff Park, right next to the Chattahoochee Riverwalk and the river there. Starts at 8 a.m. Registration's only 30 bucks. And you can do it virtually for 25 bucks, And this uh, helps out this great organization where a lot of young musicians uh, really get a chance to show off their talents and learn and uh, perform and uh, really grow as people through that art. And so, um, you know, it, there's a time motivator here. We talk about being called the Beethoven Fundraiser. 
So uh, Beethoven has a, a you know unmistakable fifth symphony, which uh, takes about 33 minutes and 32 seconds to play. So I'm, a- I'm actually going to be a pacer, one of the pacers for those. So I will run the 5K in as close as I can to 33 minutes and 32 seconds, which is about a, you know maybe uh, just under a you know ten and a half minute pace per mile. So uh, you know for that, um, people are gonna I'm gonna have the little sign as the as the pacer, and hopefully people can beat Beethoven. If they beat me, they will they will be him. So uh, we're familiar with that you know opening of that uh, fifth symphony. So you can test yourself in a race against the clock to finish before Beethoven does. And uh, again, you know, got the virtual option as well. So hopefully you can uh, take part in that race. They're going to be accepting registration all the way up until uh, next Saturday to do so. Now to some of our final segments of the podcast, including my parting gift. This one uh, comes from the Bible. And, uh, you know, it, we, we used, you know, as I mentioned before, we had uh, eight people three crew members, and three vehicles for Run Across Georgia. And, uh, you know, we, we couldn't just rely on those vehicles. We had to rely on each other and really pray that everything went well with that big adventure across the Peach State. Well, this verse is from Psalms 27. It says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So we can trust in maybe things in our lives, vehicles, um, you know, ways we get from here to there, whether it be a job or anything else. But really, all those things just, you know, kind of die away. And uh, they only last like a blink. Just our lives. I mean, the average lifespan, 75 years, it's, it can be gone quickly. So, you know, trust in the name of the Lord our God. That will be something you can depend on, and it will last forever. So great word. Closing now this podcast in prayer, as we always do. Dear God, just thank you for this opportunity to uh, just— to talk about you, to talk about um, just, uh, you know, running adventures um, and doing so with you know, family members and friends and, and uh, just to be able to talk about faith, uh, even as a news anchor. And, and I, you know, give the news every day that, Lord God, that the most important thing is the good news and uh, that you are our Savior and Lord. You came for us and even when we didn't deserve it and died for us, uh, for our sins. And, Lord God, just keep us safe in the travels this summer as many people go many places. We pray for those that, uh, you know, have health issues, uh, that you will be with them and protect them and their families, uh, bring healing to those uh, that your will be done in those situations that, that you know about. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, thanks again for listening to the uh, Run the Race podcast. In fact, the last episode we had that came out about a week or so ago was uh, with one of the beneficiaries of Run Across Georgia, uh, the executive director of, uh, of the, actually the chief development officer, that is, of Mercy Med of Columbus, who helps the uh, uninsured and underinsured, a faith-based organization that uh, really wants to show God's love by providing those tangible needs and, uh, you know, the other beneficiary of Run Across Georgia is House of Heroes, which helps do repairs for military veterans all across our area. So, uh, you know, I think so far, I mean, we're closing in on maybe $50,000 total being raised through that Run Across Georgia event, half going to Mercy Med, half going to House of Heroes, some great causes. You can still donate through Run Across Georgia. Look, at, look it up online, and uh, you have until June 15th to do so. So thank you again so much for listening and uh, we'll be with you next week.